Ask that question again, and I swear to you, what? Are you going to do a show? No, we're not going to do a show. All right, a show. John, if you say so, hold on a second. I always get this part. There it is. I think that's everyone's favorite part. <laughs> you trying to figure out. You know what? I, so when I first uh, <clears throat> was on YouTube, a little bit of bragging about myself, <laughs> in the early days of YouTube <clears throat> partnerships. <laughs> Taking it way back. I'm a partner with YouTube. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't even know if I still am because I'm so lazy at videos, <laughs> but... Um, when they first gave you that, uh, that partnership, what you could do is you could go to every single one. Uh, well, by the way, uh, welcome to Hollywood Anonymous. I am uh, Brian Irwin. I'm John Huck. Okay, back to the story. Welcome so, to Tales of Old School, Old Timey YouTube. Yes. So, well, I mean, you can still do it now. I, I think just everybody gets it. It's the analytics. This is when YouTube was in black and white, right? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, there was no color YouTube videos at all <laughs> just whatsoever. Said, it was like headshots. Yeah. Back in the early. For those that don't know, for some reason, headshots used to be black and white photos. Even after the invention of color film, yeah, why was actors that? would still get black and white headshots. No, ma- the majority of people did. Yeah. Oh, everybody. They were all like... Do you, you have I, a set? Do you have a set? Yes, I do. Okay, it so... It is terrible. But they were the first headshots I got. And then right after that, this, the next time I got my picture taken, I went into uh, uh, Ray, Ray the Retoucher. Is a okay. Please sound, tell me that's his nickname. That's like not his guy. real name. Sounds like a guy who drives around in a van. <laughs> I touched you once. I retouched you. I, I'll be back because um, I got to touch you. I twice. I'm going to go around the block. No, he was. It's this company that uh, works on, on Hollywood, and they uh, they'll like you know touch up your headshots and whatever. Okay. But uh, I went in there and uh, this girl, I was like, so because uh, some people were still doing black and white, but I saw a couple color, and I go, so should I be doing black and white headshots? And the girl looks at me, and she goes, um, you have a red beard. No, you should not be doing black and white headshots. You should be like showing what your face looks like. And I was like, okay, because like literally two years ago, last time I did this, <laughs> she was like, yeah, well, it's changed. Well, and back like, then it was just beards. They didn't care about the color. They just, no, it was beards. Well, no, but I mean, they did, but I did. You had to put it down. I you had, had to write unique, it down. I had a unique, I had a unique look. You still do. And there's like time. six or seven other people that look like you now. Well, then you call one in today. Yeah, I did. I called one in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he's glad to know that he looks like you. I'm sure. Well, no, he, not, not like that. Just so, oh, very similar. All right. Um, so back to this YouTube thing. Anyway, so the analytics, and this is just, I don't know why I'm bothering finishing this story at this point, because it's, it's really completely so uninteresting. No, but no, the, what good. they show you is they get, there's this little meter so, like, no matter what video you make, it could be your stand-up, it could be just something silly you did. There's a meter that starts out at level of interest, oh. and it goes it goes in waves. So, it actually shows you where people just don't give a shit about you anymore. And uh-huh. it's it's supposed to it's designed for you to learn from it and go, all right, this- what can I do to make it better? But it's also simultaneously the most insulting thing that possibly because like depending uh-huh. on what you're doing. When you watch it, it shows interest and then an extreme drop. So your logical thing to do is to look at whatever it is that you did and what you were doing at that moment that everybody basically was like, fuck this shit. This person is fucking horrible. I'm out of here. Right. But I also don't think it's as um, graphic as you're making it in the sense of no, no, it like, was fuck because- this shit. It's like more like, okay. Uh, no, have you been on the internet? Just- did you ever read anybody's comment? Well, oh, okay. I'm sorry. It, I, it's more like fuck black people. You're right. Good call. It's not no, ever I, anything that has to do with the video. It's, I, it's usually I a racist mean, I just slur. Mean, also, there could be just people that were like, okay, and then they just stop watching. And once they stop watching, that's when the analytics drop off. It's not all based on comments. It's all like right, Mr. Positive. Well, let me go. Can I complain about something else then? Sure. Go for it. Gramps. I, uh, no, I have a headache today because oh, I've been. Oh, so we won't be having sex, everybody. <laughs> what? Oh my God. <clears throat> don't ever talk about me having sex or you having sex. I don't like that. Together. I don't like it. 
Here's one thing my whole entire life so I've never liked. I don't together. What? No, well, that's fine. That's, as long as you're not singing Skyrockets at night. I just found out like years, a couple years ago from an older person that that was about afternoon sex. I didn't never really paid attention. I'm not what, much about afternoon it. delight. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I guess I just taught well, you. I mean, too. I, All right. So I anyway, that about on uh, on Anchorman. Okay. Well, I mean, this is way before Anchorman when I found out about it. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm not competing with Anchorman. So my head hurts. Because I've been moving shit. I had to move everything out of storage to, to, to save money because I was paying all the shit from the Herald. Okay. From my office, went straight into storage, and then it went straight here. But then when it straight, went straight here, like half that stuff, I'm like, why the fuck was I, did I have all this shit in the first place? Uh-huh. So then I had to move it all to uh, Goodwill. No, uh, just to Goodwill. Okay. And I had a headache. But that just makes me angry because I already today I already stepped in dog shit just right before I went. This is kind of the day where you'd actually step in dog shit, and I did. I stepped in some dog shit because I didn't want you or, or our guests to step in dog shit. So I, I took it for the team. Good, you're, good, uh, you're a good host. But I got up this morning, and my usual exciting morning is I get up, I feed the kids, I uh, try to post something on Facebook, and then my family says no. And then I go downstairs and I have to feed the cats because one of them was diabetic. I have to separate them, so there's a big war with that. And then I have to clean up all the shit from the night before in the cat box because the cats apparently, as soon as it hits dark, they're like, this is a good time for us to have seven shits out of each one of our buttholes. So seven out of how many buttholes? Three. So seven out of three buttholes. So that's like 21 They're shits. sharing one of the shits. They're sharing. They're, they're sharing. No, no, no. Yeah, you're right. I mean, seven, three buttholes. And, and notice something piece. missing in here? A yeah, couch. The couch. Yeah, yeah, you know why? It's been replaced by a treadmill. Yeah. <laughs> the cat won't piss on that. Oh, that's the other thing. The cat pissed on my shoes last night. And I said to my wife, I think it's time for one of the cats to go. Now, you can do one of two things. And I'm an animal rescuer, but you can do one of two things. You can open the door and let the cat meet the coyotes. Open or a, you open can... Open a pillowcase, yeah. <laughs> take the cat down to the river. I can't, I can't go that far. But, you know, listen, people have put animals to sleep. For my, peeing and wrecking stuff. My dad. I can't do it. I'm uh, talking shit. I'm more like my dad. My dad talked shit about every animal I ever had and never did anything about it. Well, that's, my, that's dad, me. my dad uh, didn't talk shit. My dad was like, uh, the cat's peed down by the bar three times. The cat is going down. Like, that was it. And cat. did the cat go down or the dish yeah. open the door and the cat just went away? No, they took the cat. Well, they took the cat away. I don't know what they did with it, but we never saw the cat again. Did you have to, like, did you guys throw it a party before it left? Did no, you guys get to like, spend some time with Mr. Nibbles or what no, did you do? Kitty Cat was the name. Oh, that's really clever. Yeah, it was clever. Yeah. By the way, you got your baseball hat on, something more positive. Didn't you? Uh, I did nothing except take a couple hikes. Took the kids to see the original Bat Cave up in the uh, mountains that I don't know why it took me so long to get there. Um, uh, you did baseball. I went to, yeah, I did, uh, went down to Mesa for a spring training game. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. It was awesome. The BPAs. Was it? Yeah, it was great. Arietta pitched. It was awesome. And those, I've never actually been to that, but one of the reasons why people like it is because it's more of, it, it's not like a big, massive stadium kind of vibe, right? It's like a. It's more like a. <clears throat> excuse me. Like it's a minor from, from a spectator standpoint. From a spectator standpoint, the stadiums are set up like minor leagues, like really, really nice minor league stadiums. <clears throat> excuse me. But. Um, That's all right. You know, now it's a show. But. Uh, but Sloan Park, like the Cubs for the last uh, three years have had the attendance record down there. Like they really, and that's a brand new stadium. They just got, this is the second year they've had that stadium. So Sloan Park is great, and I've only seen another game at like, I, I think I saw Dodgers Brewers at like another. Are the stadiums all really close? Like, is it a weird like area where the stadiums are all like really close to each other? No, no. Not, I mean, not like so, that. you know, the Cubs play in Mesa. Some teams play in Tucson. Some teams play in um, Surprise Gilbert. <laughs> surprise. Um, yeah, there's Surprise Arizona. But let me. Add, um, but but can you tell in general? 
that everybody's down there for spring training? Does it feel like a ba- like I no mean, matter where you are, it feels like it's a baseball well, time I mean, of year? Yes, it does, but I guess it's not no matter where you are. It's just I'm saying in those areas though. Yeah, like in that, for the most part. I mean, okay. the Cubs like <clears throat> like they say the Cubs really draw a lot of numbers. Like people really well, go to course, those games. Yeah. yeah, because people one from Chicago retire there, yeah. and two Chicago fans travel very well. Did you drink a lot? Um, not too much. No, I you mean, didn't double fist it? On, uh, on, well, we went from, I went from the game to, uh, Sedona. We took off and went to Sedona and then went to the Grand Canyon the next day. And Sober? then drove all the way home. Sober or hungover? Um, not hungover, no. Mm-hmm. I mean... Did uh, you guys Uber everywhere? Like down there and back and... No. What do you mean? <laughs> what are you talking about? No. Let's welcome our guest in. I'm just yes. trying to see, I'm trying to get you to, you know, answer some questions, but you seem to be disinterested in baseball all of a sudden. I don't know. You love baseball. I you, do. You know what? Great. You're scared. You're scared. Because the season's about to start, and you know that all the hype is on the Cubs, and they've been picked number one. They're, they're in the power rankings as number one, which means the expectation is they're going to win the World Series. So I, can, I already feel the apprehension in your voice. I'm surprised it's not cracking like Peter Brady, but it's totally fine. Everything's going to be just fine. Let's welcome in our <coughs> guest for today, which is Ahmed Weinberg. Hello, Ahmed. Hi. I've been here the whole time. <laughs> He's heard everything we've said, everybody. I've been but, sitting here. But just so you know, congratulations, and I should give you one of the 17,000 trophies that are up there. Yeah, you should. You are the first comedian yeah. who has not interrupted us during our first five minutes. Oh, that's like the test if I'm a true comic. Well, And I failed. Or that well, you, no, that you, you're, it's, that you, you can hate. Self-control. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just a test to see if you have any self-control at all. But well. you know why I believe that you do? Why? Because unlike many, there, there's something... Um, Unique about the three of us, unlike most of the comedians you've had on the show. We're white. Yeah. <laughs> super unique. Super, super unique. Super cool. Yeah. It's going to become unique eventually, and that's probably the best thing that ever happened in this world. So um, all of us have done something um, more production slash business related within uh, Hollywood and also done stand-up. So we have like a different perspective on things. Does that make sense? Like yeah. we're not... Just stand ups that you know scrape for money or whatever. We actually have had real production jobs and worked in the industry on the other side and had to cater to the talent, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that that does change the dynamic of who. I mean, I don't, maybe you disagree with me, but um, yeah. I mean, well, what did you do in production? Uh, I was uh, I started out as a PA uh, okay. like years ago, and then I became like a segment producer and coordinating producer and uh, supervising producer at one point, and then now. I would say like more of a a writer I get brought into like kind of but but my whole most of my production was spent in hidden camera like very little of it I did a little bit of reality here and there and I worked on a like one movie Mm. but other than that most of my stuff was hidden camera so that's kind of my specialty in the sense of that's what I know about production. Welcome to the Ahmad Weinberg Show. Uh, thank you. I'm, 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 I'm doing the interview now. <laughs> you kind of did. So before we get into your whole production life, which is um, interesting in itself, which is how you and I met, um, where are you originally from? Philadelphia. To Philly. Yeah. From Philly. And when did you move on to L.A.? Uh, like five years ago now? Five years ago, okay. Yeah. And um, did you do any uh, entertainment-based stuff prior to moving out here, or was it I have to go to a place to do it? Like, what was your little journey, if you will, as far as getting into this whole game? Well, I was, yeah, I was in college, and I wanted to do stand-up. And so did you do it there? I did it a little bit. I, was, I went to University of Vermont for the first two years, and okay. I was trying to do stand-up up there, but there was like... Really nothing. Maybe once a month I would get a spot. And they were amazing spots. And when you say, thought, what do you mean by that? By just crowd-wise? Yeah, like, like nobody up there had seen stand-up comedy. <laughs> <laughs> and and were, they, were they intrigued by it or were they... 
They loved it. They loved it. Okay. I mean, the, yeah, these audiences would enough. just eat me up. I mean, it was like... So you're saying even the worst joke can do well because they just want comedy? They kind of When you say they love it? like I mean, I have these old YouTube videos of me doing stand-up in Vermont, and I watch <laughs> them... If only if I'm feeling very confident. If I know I can handle watching myself at my worst, <laughs> and I'll, I'll put them on, and yeah, it's like wow, I was I was really bad, and I thought I thought I was so fucking good because you were getting the reaction from an audience that was, I was getting, getting Chris a positive Rock style reaction <laughs> yes. off your shitty jokes to me being like you know. Uh, when they pump your gas in New Jersey, that's kind of like getting a hand job because I usually do that part, <laughs> but now you're doing it. And it's like, people are like, what? <laughs> people just get standing up and fainting. Like, what? It's like the, the greatest thing we've ever seen bodies flying up in the air. Yeah. You, no, uh, um, so, how old were you when you first took the stage? Like, what was your age? I was, the first time I did stand up was in sixth grade. What? Okay, so you were... Okay, so now I want to take a step back. Now, that's interesting to me. So growing up, um, obviously, let's let's just start with your heritage, because obviously, Ahmed... How do you actually say it? Ahmed. Ahmed. I was pretty close. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, and I'm assuming everybody bastardizes that the name, or is it, or people get it relatively close where you're you're over it. Um, I don't care anymore. Mo- more people care for me than like when someone calls me Muhammad and a friend of mine will be like, "It's Ahmed," and I'm like, "Dude, just let it go. It's not a big deal." <laughs> I'd rather just go with Muhammad than try to explain why there's no M. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then Weinberg. And I know that when you and I first met, I think I, I you had me see some of your your stand up, and and you you kind of talk about the fact that you. Uh, well, I'll go ahead and just explain it. Like, what's your background, and especially like with your parents and stuff like that? You 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 were born in Philly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, my parents are Muslim, and they both converted to Islam. That's like, I guess, the simplest way to explain it. They, my dad was Jewish, and uh, my mother was Catholic. So they both like growing up in the seventies. I guess like kind of went on a somewhat of a spiritual journey each, okay. each of them so my mom was S- like separately you mean like, yeah yeah okay, yeah okay like my parents didn't meet until they were both you know part of this muslim community in philadelphia oh, okay it's not like they found it together okay but uh yeah so like my mom was one of 10 children like irish catholic Ooh. family uh and that had been a little bit interesting i mean this is pre though I, like the fair the fear of like what's going on now and and the and the whole muslim thing it started i was talking to my dad about it once that there really wasn't, uh, I can't remember, it was like either the first World Trade Center thing happened like in the late 70s or whatever, where it, that started to become like a bigger issue, correct? I mean, did they really, was it, did, when, have you ever talked to them about it? Like what their life was like once they converted and how people treated them? Um, I mean, honestly, the only, my mom has gotten, my mom's gotten some hate directed towards her, but it's just been, it's it's weird. It's been because she was white, like, like we like live how in dare Philadelphia. You? Maybe, maybe it was something because she wears a headscarf. So someone at a gas station was like calling her white devil and like. This is more recent though. This is, yeah, this is more recent. Okay. I, I don't think that they, like my parents both discovered this like guru in Philadelphia and the guru was like speaking. He, he's a Sufi Muslim, which is kind of more mystical. And so that's how like you could imagine like a, a mystical, you know, like seeker finding this person and like becoming a sufi muslim because sufism is not as like religious as as sunni or shiite it's it's like you know the whirling dervishes in turkey and rumi and like all this poetry and art and uh so yeah my parents like found it through 
through this guru and then the guru like instructed everyone to build a mosque everyone who was like his disciples and then there was a mosque created and when you say build it like physically build it or raise up. the oh okay yeah yeah it's actually the only mosque in Philadelphia built as a mosque every okay. other mosque in Philly is like a converted Something. something else. It was like, this used to be a VFW. So, now and, it's a yeah. Mosque. Yeah. and your parents are part of that? Part of helping building that? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. So they built this mosque. And, you know, it's an interesting thing because, like, a lot of people in this community choose to be more or less Muslim. Like, some just are, you know, like, use the guru's teachings and, and use that to guide their lives. And then some people, like my mother, my mother's very religious. So she, like, goes to the mosque five times a day, very involved with the mosque. You know, you can kind of do whatever you want as far as like how much you want to participate in this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's based on you as yeah. a person, whatever you feel is necessary to, to help you. And how many kids are in your family? Just me and my sister, you and your sister and, yeah. and your sister older, younger than you. Younger. She's younger than She's you. 21. She's 21. How many kids were in your dad's family? Your mom was from a family of 10. Yeah. My mom was one of 10. My dad was one of two. So. Okay. okay. Yeah. And what was, is your mom have a good relationship with, with, with uh, her family? Yeah, I mean, there's so many cousins, and it, yeah, it's I like, but it, just immediate family though. Like when when she converted and all that stuff, everybody was like, it, it was like whatever. Does she come from a pretty chill f- background? I mean, I as far as I know, in the beginning there was like some weird reactions, you know, of like, what is she doing? Right, this is maybe a cult, or like we don't we a don't cult know. or or a fad or whatever. Well, but, yeah. but I think that was the key. The key they didn't know. They yeah. don't. They don't know. And when you don't, when people don't know what something is, they don't understand it. Then it's a little bit terrifying. I mean, exactly. That like is that's how fear I fear. Like, like not knowing. I'm scared of the South, and it's just because I don't know it. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Just because I think people are like, you right. know, I'm a lawyer. You, you, I don't know what. Like my version of the South is like. <laughs> I'm a old, lawyer. An old crow, like giving <laughs> right, a testimony. Right. right. With a with a handkerchief. <laughs> yeah, that. Oh, your honor. I do declare. <laughs> it is hot. It is hot. <laughs> Mr. Mayor. <laughs> so funny. I'm racist too because I don't know. Like you're just racist against what you don't. I, it's just fear, understand. but that's that's the, that's why you know that's that's the whole thing about fear is that people just you take time to understand something and you would be less afraid of it. So yeah, I mean, did you grow up in a religious household? Were you? Yes. Was that your deal? Yeah. Okay. Uh, like very, my mother, like, you know, I went to prayers like early in the morning before okay. school and like. Did you go public school? What kind of school did you go to? I ended up going to a private school from like second grade through 12th grade. What kind of private school was it? It was an all boys, like, I don't know. Not a religious school though. Not a religious uh, school. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just private, you know, Just out of pocket. Got it. Private. Okay. Yeah. I think I single-handedly like boosted their diversity rate. <laughs> Like which is funny. Just with which your is name. funny because yeah, you don't look name. like you would boost anybody's diversity rate. You no, but would fit paper. in with the rest of us. On paper, though. No, but I'm yeah. saying is like yeah, they just don't show a picture of me. Right. But it's <laughs> a blank. Everyone else has a photo, like a blank like, photo, not available. Like, yeah. <laughs> where's this kid? It just oh. says trust us. Yeah, he's and super diverse. <laughs> there is a better chance that John's going to get arrested before you do if they don't know that uh, you have uh, Muslim his- yeah, you know, uh, history. <laughs> that's, a, in that's true. I would arrest you. But that's only because he. Is supposed to be because there's a warrant out for us, but continue the. Um, uh, so anyway, so you. On the so what was it like growing up, and and where do you stand on things now, as far as like where you are, like your version of how religious you are or not religious growing up in the, that household? Yeah, I mean, I've been more into it lately. I would definitely like rebelled from my upbringing. I as, mean, as any kid does. Well, no, not all kids do though, right? Some, I mean, I'm assuming because you probably met other kids. That, well, there that were a were... lot of like kids that grew up because I had a lot of friends in this Muslim community who are also like white 
kids that whose parents found this and, oh, okay and like okay. Were growing up and and they had kind of a less religious experience with the whole thing okay so they i think a lot of people don't rebel if their parents aren't like putting it in their faces as okay. much you know but i was definitely like i was fasting i was like i went on pilgrimage i was like i felt very very other you know i didn't feel like i belonged either in islam or in you know with my friends at school. That's I never, interesting. That's I, very conflicting. Very, right? very uh, gray zone hmm. kind of kid. So I just wanted to belong to something. So, th- so let's get back. So, okay, so here you are. All this stuff is going on. Where did the fascination with stand-up come from then? Because of this, do you think? Or was it something else that you saw that inspired you? You know, stand-up... I, well, I didn't, I didn't like watch a ton of stand-up when I was growing up. I didn't really care that much about stand-up comedy. Okay. There were a few people... I remember when someone like introduced me to Mitch Hedberg, and that like blew my mind. Okay. But I wasn't like a big fan of stand-up, and then uh, I was just always, I guess, like funny. Like I was always like doing pranks and just being funny and... And uh, someone signed me up. My friend signed me up for the for this talent show in sixth grade, and said I was doing stand up. And it was <laughs> so like, it wasn't even you. No, oh, I mean, okay. I, you weren't at home with a suit on in the mirror doing uh, with a hairbrush, yuck like all right, the everybody, the hair, coming out. <laughs> the old hairbrush move. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was not like I wanted to do it. Okay. It was just somebody signed me up, and I said, "All right, you know." Fuck do you it. remember your joke? Would it have to do with poo or farts or? Well, I like how you think you only told one. <laughs> Well, you remember it, it, your joke. Uh, <laughs> I have kids. What if? What if? In sixth and grade, I know how these like, things work. And you, you, you know, we joke about you get three minutes. We're like, come on, man! Imagine a small child. <laughs> yeah, well, with three. Three minutes. minutes is an eternity. Yeah, it's true. Because they're gonna say like three words, <laughs> and they're gonna be like, huh? <laughs> Yeah. And then it just gets awkward for another two hours and, or two minutes and 47 it's, seconds. So it's not going to be good. It's not what you think it is. But yeah. uh, no, I'm sure you probably have no idea. But did, no, I'm I assume- do remember. Oh, you jokes. do? Yeah, yeah. I also remember because it was funny because uh, our assembly was in a chapel. Okay. So the first time I did stand up was in a chapel. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and my dad helped me write, I think, my for the first joke, which was like, My name is Ahmed Weinberg. I'm half Muslim and half Jewish. You think you've got problems. I'm at a holy war with myself. <laughs> and I was... Now, how do the, the kids react? I destroyed. <laughs> oh, you did? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe it was like... Beginner's luck, though. Beginner's, beginner's luck, Well, no, I'm just yeah. curious if the kids get it. Like, you know, you think, you go, okay, are they going to get this? Or, or are they just like, huh? Like awkward, or if they're like, yeah, ha, ha. I doubt it was like a thing of everyone getting it. I think it was just like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, right you're, you're up there laughing talking. at you, not with you. Yeah, okay, okay. And I had like a big red afro, and I was just like an awkward, like kind of pudgy kid. And I, man, I like, yeah, I remember just having so much fun, kind of blacking out, not having any idea that I was on stage okay, or right. that this was happening, just like feeling the laughter and like not even knowing what to do with it. Now, based on your age though, this, do you, is this on video anywhere? No, no. Okay. No. Yeah. That was, I wish. You know what I mean? That I mean, would be your clip on YouTube. Yeah, that would have been. I'm like, oh my god, he yeah, read this from stuff. Was good when he, I like this early stuff. <laughs> I mean, when festivals? he was in sixth grade, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious. You send that to a festival, they bring you in, and then you just come in as an adult with they're a like, beard. They're, they're like, like where's, wait, where's the where's the kid? You're like, I, I, oh, that's me. Sorry, I messed with the <laughs> timestamp on that video. You do the same jokes. What difference does it make where <laughs> yeah, it was taped? Well, I'm gonna do the same jokes. It doesn't matter how old I am. 
I think I did that joke for like six years. I, I did that joke. I'm at a holy war with myself for a long time. Oh, it's and that's good. Your, it's and, a, it's but it's your dad's joke. joke. It's my dad's joke. Still, it's I don't wrote it. But but there's nothing wrong with co-writing your first joke with your dad. No, no, that's and that's then great. having that be a joke that is funny enough that it could sustain into. As you get older and you're still telling that joke, you know what I mean? Because it's still funny, I think. Okay, so you are, um, you're, you go through school, no stand-up until college, right? No, I did it again, like, like at another talent show. Talent I remember shows. doing it again. That was in- your circuit, the talent show circuit. <laughs> Got another talent show, two towns over. Got to get, get on my bike That's, and get over there. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, um, you don't go to this school. I know, but, yeah, but I'm sure you've probably heard about some of the things I've been doing at the other talent shows. <laughs> I sent in a tape. They, t- they told me to come yeah, down. Yeah, I'm kind of a closer here they at told these me to talent spruce shows. This I'm like, shit. why the fuck are there yellow Skittles here? Yeah, I'm just like freaking out. <laughs> Oh, he's having he's having a tantrum in his dressing room again. Why does it? Why is he getting a dressing room? Fucking sixth grade. <laughs> bathroom stall has my name on it. Like, yeah. that's my <laughs> one stall. Boom, boom, boom. Get out! Like I had to use the bathroom. So, um, so you get through high school. You do anything? Any any drama or anything like that? Or that was not your thing? No, I just like remember realizing that I wanted to do stand up. Like a- a- after that immediate. Yeah, because badass first time when you were like, ah. <laughs> I mean, I just because I was so bad at sports, I was just like the weirdest kid, you know. And and I just, you know, I always you had found something. I had humor as like my tool, but I didn't realize that I could like, oh, that could be my career maybe if I really. It's a defense mechanism and a way to get ahead. <laughs> yeah, it was like an answer to all my problems. It was like. Oh, I can I could possibly do that for a living. That's insane. And I really like Now who told you that part of it? <laughs> Just I, out of curiosity. Where did you come book. up with that idea? Uh, he read it in a book. The television set yeah, told you that? Maybe. Well I, that's isn't that the isn't that the dupe though? Like now that we're we've we've been around, we um I think I joked about this with Matt Fultron. It's like, you know, when you when you're growing up and you see like a Mitch Hedberg or you see a Mark Marin or you see somebody uh, getting a half hour special on HBO or Comedy Central, you're like, shit, they have made it. And then you're out here and they're like, yeah, um, uh, that television show did not, they didn't give me $7 million for yeah, being on exactly. that half hour special. It got me I, more uh, road work and yeah. shitty clubs that pay less and less money each year. <laughs> you're like, son of a bitch. Yeah. They're like on the same shows that you're on in LA that no one's getting paid for. Like there's yeah. this whole like disillusion all of a sudden. You're like, what the fuck? Well, well yeah. yeah. And then you realize that there's like road comics who just like, I feel like ev- nobody's happy because all the road comics are like, man, I should be in LA. Like I should be developing my show. I should be like, you know, getting writing jobs. And then, you know, me included. I'm like, I'm in L.A. I'm like, man, I wish I was on the road because I could do stage time. Yeah, I could get more time. And, human beings. Yeah. And, and like, die younger. Actual audiences. <laughs> but I think as we get older, there's ways to live longer. Like, as long as you don't let... The, it's just hard to not get affected by the road in the sense that, like, yep, I'm going to drink a 12-pack tonight. Or, yep, I'm going to do... Shitty you know, food. Yeah, yep, I'm going to have Taco Bell again. It's yeah. like... Uh, it's, it can be a miserable place or an okay place, it's, depending it's, on it's, how it's, it's what you do with it. And I gotta, I've gotta work on getting like making it a healthier place because I, I wouldn't, <laughs> I don't mind being on the road, but like I come back from it and I need like I need the detox. Three yeah, man, it's like I'm, I, it gets really rough for me because I just push it too hard. <clears throat> do you go on the road at all? I'm starting to like okay. like mid April. I have like a couple weekends. Now, I are just you doing yourself? Or are you opening up for somebody that you know? Um, I, I'm featuring for someone that I don't know. Yeah. Okay. It's just through like my, my management. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
So you're doing it through yourself. It's not like you buddied up with somebody in town that's like, hey, I'm going on the road for a couple of weeks. Come on with me kind of thing. No, I've never had the balls to ask anybody to go on the road with them. You know, we went through this whole thing with, with Jen Murphy, um, who's been a longtime friend of ours, but we were talking about it. On, she was actually on one of our first shows here. And we were kind of talking about that. And she went through that struggle. And she was just like... I'm asking. I don't. At some point, you know, you're gonna wake up and be like, "What the fuck? Why am I doing this?" Then, like, you it's, gotta just. Yeah, it's, she was like, "I'm getting over the hump." And th- since she has done that, she is working. Huge difference. She, no, because no one's saying no. Because her material stands, and it's and that's the thing is she needed to understand. Yeah, that great. you're not a shitty comic walking up to somebody and saying, "Hey, take me on the road." If they and, know you, they've seen you, <laughs> and. You know what I mean? Like, you actually have something of value. But she, which was also usually like just local stuff. And I started doing that too, just hitting people up, like, hey, I see your headline, the Brea Improv. Can I, do you need a feature? And like, it's worked out. I mean, sure, some people don't get back to you and you feel awkward that you did it and then whatever. But for the most part, people get back to you and and it's either like, oh man, that would have been great. Sorry, it's already booked. Or yeah, you know what? Let me talk to the club. And it's worked out in my favor like three, three or four times so far since I started doing it. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, and, and again, like, I don't think it's, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Like, you we wouldn't have the balls to just walk up to somebody and be like, "Hey, man, I'd really like you to take." But it's like, if you send them in, like a like a I don't know, send them an email, something that's like, "Look, this is the deal. This is who I am." If you you know, I'm always looking for stage time, and I figured I like your comedy, so I'd hit you up because you know, you're somebody I don't I wouldn't mind hanging out and watching after my set. You know, because sometimes there's just people like, "Well, I'm done. I gotta go." And there's other times it's like, "Oh man, I can't wait to watch what this guy does or this this girl does. It's gonna be really funny." You know? Right. Yeah, I wonder, like, there's just no other, like, career in the world like that, where you're just going up to people and saying, Mm. can I work for you for a little bit, you know, and travel with you and be, like, super intimate with you. Well, yeah, that's that's the the hard thing. It's asking to go on the road road, you know what I mean? Like, asking to go, like, to Cleveland or something like that. It's like, then you are, like, then when you have to, like, travel together and be around each other, then it is a little different than just, like... Brea or Irvine or right, right, know, where they don't see where, you until yeah, showtime. Show, and then at the end, you go both go your separate ways. Yeah. And it's not a big deal, but uh, like, yeah, yeah. But, but you're let's right. Be honest, you're the like, three of us are like awesome people, Omaha. so who wouldn't want to hang out with us? I mean, oh man, I'm sure there's insane. a lot of people that wouldn't want to hang out with me. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and my wife barely wants to hang out with me. So <laughs> yeah, that's how I'm feeling lately too at home. It's like wait with me? No, yeah, I'm not you. at your house. Well, you should come over more because so you could feel that way about me. So I could feel more love. Starting to feel like I should start watching TV in the guest room. So here you are. We're uh, we're still in Philly with you. Okay, cool. You decide to um, now when you when you decide to go to school. Are at this point? Are you still kind of relatively uh, deep into uh, the religious household that that your mom, the foundation your mom has laid, or are you at this point the rebellious guy? You want to get out and experience the world for yourself. Like, so where are you at at your life? In sixth grade? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. Do you went to college in seventh grade? Where are you at? No, uh, when you left, like, when you decided to go to school, go away to school. Oh, oh, to, oh, to college. Yeah. Um, I had already been rebelling, like in high school. I okay. Was, I was like trying to find my identity as, like, someone who drank alcohol. And, yeah. You and smoked cigs. I did smoked that, cigarettes. Did that mom drive? She had to have known. Because that there's yeah. a, there's a very distinct smell from someone who doesn't have anything to someone that has a, even one puff of a cigarette. You come home, it's like all right. Cigarettes weren't the big deal to my parents. My dad cared more than my because my mom used to smoke cigarettes, so she kind of was like, oh yeah, he'll get over that. Not a big deal. Pull the mic toward you. Can, you oh, okay. Just pull it back towards you. It's fine. I don't. We're not that pro that I won't say that out loud. Go ahead, there you go. So, okay, just be comfortable. It's fine. Um, but yeah. So then, but like weed was a thing that I really got into when I was yeah. like in like what grade. 
eighth grade. Eighth grade? Like ninth grade. Fuck, dude. My kid's going into sixth grade. So you're telling me two years from now that I have to start worrying uh, about whether or not. You should start worrying about it now. No, probably. he's not smoking weed I don't in think sixth he grade. Is. Yeah, there but, might be but people. There is no way. In sixth there are grade. not. No, there. No, there is. Uh, no, no. Well, the first time I was offered no. pot was when I was thirteen. That was the first time, but that wasn't in school. That was at a skate park. Well, so I think it's a little a more sense. accessible now. Would you not agree? I think it's a. It's far more accessible, well, especially in, LA, in California. It must be insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. the principal like, has it. Everybody. <laughs> You can just find well, just it on everybody the knows what a green yeah. a green cross means now. That's not it's not much, <laughs> exactly. to, you know. Yeah, yeah. But but okay, so you were doing all this stuff, yeah. and you were getting caught for it, and there was a lot of discussion. There Is was, that what you're saying? yeah, I got in trouble like with the police, you oh, know, okay. in high school. So were you that, how we're talking with quantity here? Or are we? No, no, I oh. wasn't dealing. Okay, I, I was, I was just partying i was just hanging out with friends the first time we were being a kid doing your thing yeah exactly i was drinking and driving and like all the shit that now we tell people not to do yeah yeah yeah. well i yeah we used to because my my high school was like in the woods of philadelphia oh okay in near the wissahickon park so the only place we would party would be in the woods we would yeah we would bring a keg down like a quarter mile into Who was the, the keg guy? It always had to be a guy that looked the oldest, right? Or was it somebody's brother that would do that would get you a cuz a keg you'd have to get that illegally from a It was a brother or, you know, I had a I had a friend that that would he just had a fake ID and knew oh, where to okay, go. Oh, the fake ID kid. Yeah. We would just throw the keg into his dad's I always SUV. found it like it takes one step too far when they got the really overly too cool parents. I'm like, I don't want anybody's uh, parents buying me like a keg. Or they're like, you can drink in our basement. And you're like, uh, no. let's go out in the woods where yeah. your parents are. <laughs> fuck your basement. Like, yeah, yeah, or like you'd be playing beer pong with like your friend's mom. Yeah. <laughs> She's like cool for like five and like, seconds and then they get hammered and you're like, it just gets ugly. Just where is your, where's your husband? Yeah. She's like, I just want to hang out with you kids. Let's everyone take our shirts off. <laughs> Oh, Mrs. Johnson, please. So, uh, I mean, was it a lot of sparring for a while with you guys? I mean, were you completely... Di- I mean, that's obviously... Um, you said that your dad was a little bit more moderate, but if your mom was more on the very religious side of things as far as, like, structured, did you did you spar with her quite a bit before you, know, you left home? Or it's, or it's surprisingly the opposite. Like, really? I, yeah, my mom was just way more, like, understanding about everything. Interesting. My dad was, like, more hurt. <laughs> he was hurt by it. Okay. You know, because, like, he kind of... I think he was around drugs at a young age, you oh. know, because like when his parents split, he moved to Cambridge with his mom, and there was kind of like this big like hippie scene up there when he was when he was young, like twelve, thirteen years old. So he was around that shit, and he like had a lot of talks with me at a young age of like, you shouldn't do drugs, like it's you know he he, he kinda, saw some heart he to saw, heart, yeah, because he saw like kind of the fallout of people around him, probably. Yeah. It terrified him. And that's yeah. po- that's like why he kind of came to Islam was also like, you know, in reaction to seeing the, the you know, destruction that, that like drugs can do to your life. And like yeah. seeing that around him, like he like was really attracted to the sobriety aspect of it. Okay. Yeah. So that was like huge for him. So, okay. so then me getting high and, and like yeah, in his mind, it was like going to lead to other stuff. And of course it freaked him out. Yeah. It really like upset my dad. But I find that interesting because our first, like, you know, the, the idea that your mom being the, the much more religious of the two parents is the, is the more, more tolerant, which is what you would assume based on when you read about religions. Yeah. That's what you would then, come to expect. But because of what today is, it's like, it's the exact it, opposite. If you're really religious, you're the least tolerant person in the room. Usually, you know what I mean? But so, so find someone who is very religious and also like 
uh, kind understanding, of, kind and- of going off what what they like practicing what they preach, so to speak. Where it's like, yeah, it's about tolerance and it's about accepting people and. I just think that's interesting that because because at first you're like my mom is most religious I'm like oh well this is you probably fought with her the entire time you're like no she was very tolerant I'm like oh of course she was because that's what how it should be when you explain it that way yeah it's like the more religious you are like you should be way more understanding yeah of, you should accept of, everybody of people's faults and things like that like <clears throat> yeah less judgmental but is, that's the complete uh, the way things seem today that's like when you hear when you see someone speak on TV who's like. This person is very religious. It's like, oh yeah, that I would never want that person anywhere near me. Well, it's like, what, a, like and, a Ted Cruz or somebody. It's well, that's like, because yeah. what ends up happening, and this is in all religions, I believe. I'm not that I'm not that well traveled, or when it comes to most religions or any for that matter. But it would strike me that almost all religions um, would basically say, "Don't take our religion, get all self righteous, and start judging everybody. That's not that's not your place. That's not what this is about. That's not who you're not supposed to develop into the the God. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. not that's when you find the religion that doesn't put you up on the top to judge down below. But what has happened is that people, the more religious they've become, the more closer to whatever God it is they believe in. So they start believing, no, no, we're like side by side, like me and God, we're like buddies yeah. here. And, yeah, yeah. and we're, we can, we're we can pretty much call the same shots together. Like, you know, we're all good here, right? Like we, we yeah. call the shots together. And that's when people would just start becoming batshit crazy. You're like, what are you fucking talking about? <laughs> Yeah, they like they use it for their own personal gain. Yes, to, to like to which is the complete opposite of what. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. It's like that that well, that, it, that that thought process. I'm like, what? How? how which is which? Yeah, it's like Jesus wasn't like a YouTube star who then like <laughs> like use that to like to, right? to gain influence. He's like, like, whatever, dude. Now I got a million followers. That's right. <laughs> twelve. Fuck your twelve, dude. I got a million followers. So, so, um, just in an overall, since we're kind of talking about the religion thing, like overall for you and in your life, how, how do you, how does it fit into your world? Like, do you feel like when you see all this crap going on, does it put you on guard? Have you seen people treat you a specific way when they finally realize who you are? I mean, obviously if somebody just walks up to you and starts talking to you, they have no idea, but maybe, maybe depending on when, when your name comes out or, you know, when you talk about certain things, like how has your world evolved within this, you know, religious battles that uh, the United States has started getting into or not at all, maybe? Um, well, you know, I'm at a holy war with myself. You, yes. Yes. All. Still, still doing the joke. That's, you guys, that's a callback. How many everybody. Years, that's a callback. How many years we got? It's April, for, April 1st. <laughs> Turns out he's not even Muslim. It's a joke. April guys. Fool's Day. Fool. Good one. You. Good one. Um, I'm just trying to think about that question. Has it re- but is that, has it really affected you or have you been able to, do you feel like you've lived like a normal, like, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you're in LA. I was going to say, do you feel because you're in LA? No, 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 no. I'm not like, t- I'm talking about before that. Oh, okay. I'm talking about before you got here five years ago, everything leading up to that, like where this is, it's post nine 11, right? Like all this crap. So I'm just curious if you, and you're, you're an East coaster. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you experienced any, if you saw an evolution within your personal world in respects to all that's been going on. No, I mean, when I was in school, like, I remember 9-11, and I remember that being the first time that somebody, like, I was walking down the hallway with my friend, and he said something like, oh, I bet it was the Muslims. And I, I literally had no idea that, that Islam was viewed that way. That this kid's dad or whoever in his house told him that Muslims do that kind of thing and that this might be this in in his head it clicked like oh I bet it's the Muslims again and uh, yeah that like that really blew my mind because I really didn't know and then like after nine eleven my parents were paranoid like we had a lot of 
you know, my dad thinking that, that like the government's tapping our phones or tapping our mosque's phones or that we kind of need to be more careful now and and uh they, and they were i don't know if you know that or not but in hindsight they, they, they were probably me. were yes well they probably got a lot of awkward you know well, phone they, calls from me to no. my girlfriend <laughs> no, no, but i mean at least it's just like this kid uh, is at least a pussy the- <laughs> that's all we're figuring out we hilarious. need to move away from this one or we they, need or, to or they just break the door down when they're like okay we've gotten you some classes on how to talk to women <laughs> Come with us. We're gonna we're gonna take you to a camp. Like, oh no, don't take our son. Like, trust me, he's gonna come. Not the kind of camp you think, man. We're trying to actually help your son. Trust me, this is gonna be like he's gonna learn how to dance. He's gonna meet. He's gonna meet girls. (laughs) He's gonna be casual. He's gonna learn how to not be so fucking awkward on the phone. I wish, oh man. We just God. want to play some phone calls that we got your son. <laughs> your mom's crying. You're like, mom, I'm sorry. I just didn't know how to talk to her. I really wish that I could go to. I could have gone to a camp that taught me how. To <laughs> we all wish that, dude. Talk we all girls. wish that. I mean, I wish that. Yeah, you could go and get an award that says you're ready, and then you just go out with confidence, like, all right, now I'm ready. So this, so so you saw you saw an immediate impact, but did that all kind of come back down on your and you kind of went back on with your life kind of thing? My or? life, yeah, my life wasn't affected. You at just all. saw what was going on to the world around you, basically. Yeah, and I was just growing up in this like this private school world, and everyone was just kind of like, you know, living privileged lives. Nobody was that concerned about what was going on in the world. Interesting, it didn't affect them. It didn't affect any of us. Yeah, yeah. and and me included. You know, right. Like, the most immediate concerns at hand were, like, I mean, I remember there being some racial tension, not, like, between kids in our grade, but, like, you know, there there weren't that many African-American students, and then they kind of brought a few on to, to like, try to help the diversity of our school. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I remember, like, I was really close with the black kids at my school, and, like, I remember them feeling like they were being prosecuted in different ways, you know, by, by the teachers, like you know, being more strict with them or mean to them. And, you know, at the end of the day, who knows what the truth was. But I, you know, I didn't feel any sort of prejudice against my Islam or or who I was. Interesting. I just felt awkward. I was just, it, it made me feel prejudiced against myself. Like, not to bring that joke up again, but, you know. No, but if it's true, some jokes come from truth. So anyway, it doesn't, yeah. Yeah, it's like, it's almost just, you know, I, I didn't... Um, I felt awkward already. Right. And well, because of your age, you know, who you know, you're, you're growing up, you're in an awkward phase. Yeah, you're already yeah. in an awkward And then phase you're, anyway. anything that sets you apart from the group, you're like, well, I'm a weirdo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even though it's not, do you know what I mean? When you're young, anything that makes you different is fucking annoying in your head. Yeah, I mean, you're already a redhead. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, you're already clear. pale, you already got freckles, you're, you're, you already can't be out in the sun too long. I can't go outside, yeah. and I'm a Muslim. <laughs> that was my high school experience. Yeah, right. And that's <laughs> so why, so Vermont, what, what show, why, why there? What was the path the to get there? Syrup. <laughs> syrup. It was a Bernie Sanders. What brought you there? I, I followed fish. <laughs> I wanted to get out of town. I wanted to do, like, I wanted to reinvent myself. And Vermont was far enough away that, you know, it felt like a good place to do that. Okay. 
And I didn't know where else to go. I, di- I didn't even want to go to college. Okay. I so just, Vermont's, uh, I don't really want to go to college. Like mine was University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. That's when you didn't want to go to college? You went Actually, to a college? I went <laughs> to a college. Yeah. There was more of what I call the commuter college where, you could ch- where you're could where you like, well, if I really don't want to go, I could just kind of not just drive in today. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like where, yeah. where you go to a big school, you have to get like a dorm room. You're like fully committed. You're in the game, you know? Yeah. But I mean, I ultimately ended up staying, but kind of the same thing. I, I, know, I know the mindset of like, oh, I'm fine. Just I'll, need to get out. Yeah. Just need to like be my own person person and and be far away from my parents and kind of you know i thought my my whole goal was just to like break through and and you know become a confident person it's not that i wasn't confident i just like didn't you know i wasn't dating i wasn't like who i wanted to be yeah you weren't you you felt like you had reached a plateau in the area that you were and you wanted to move on yeah exactly and and so vermont was uh you know, it was really fun. It was like, a, it was, I would go snowboarding all the time. That's great. Uh, I was like, I had a fucking great dorm, like hallway freshman year. We were all like best friends and it was really fun. And it really like, it, it made me feel. So up. you did evolve. You, you got, you got a war, you got what you wanted out of it basically. Yeah. But I also, you know, I knew I wanted to do stand up and kind of get into like film. I started doing film studies. And you did. Then, okay. Yeah. So then I was like, I, I just felt like, I wasn't doing any, um, I wasn't like making anything and I was only doing stand up like once in a while. So did you end up making anything while you were at school or not? I was, yeah, I was shooting stuff, but okay. it was, it was just like, you know, once a year I would get oh, to okay. do something like that for class. And did you feel the passion, the same passion for that at that time that you did it trying to want to do stand up or did it, did stand up have more of the, where you were like, I really, that this is what I want to do right now. Yeah. Stand up was like the thing I wanted to do. And I just thought that film like coincided with that career. Turns out. Not necessarily, right? That's what you found out. <laughs> um, well, that's good. So, so then, so you start doing stand up there, mm. and you're crushing. Yeah, those shows. So you get you get arrogant. <laughs> I would, and, yeah. And so then you 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 finish college, and then you go. No, I never finished. So I, okay. I did two years in Vermont. Okay. I had my heart broken up there by okay. this girl. Who, this is post nine eleven phone calls. This is yeah. Okay. All right. This is the girl who uh, who we were kind of dating, and then she ended up like. I think falling in love with my roommate. Oh, yeah, dude, it was like my first huge. Do you talk to him? No, I haven't spoken See? to him since that moment. Uh, oh, the moment even you since, you cut it off quick, dude. Yeah, there like, wasn't even a like a showdown with like the sleeves rolled up. You just you're like I'm done. Uh, yeah, I was. I remember. I, I did you even go back to get your stuff out of the room? I, yeah. Well, I <laughs> I woke up one morning. I thought that they were sleeping together. You know, I had been thinking it for a while. And well, you're I, in the same room. It would be pretty easy to figure out. Don't you have the same room? Yeah. No. But obviously, like they were friends, so I knew that they were like we would all the three of us would hang out. But then it turned out that like, you know, she she. Like we we all the three of us hung out freshman year and then sophomore year, she kind of realized that she wanted to, she was into me so we were just kind of seeing each other very loosely, and mm. then, you know it wasn't weird that they were hanging out to me. Oh, okay. But I just started feeling like oh there's something going on you know and I asked them both about it and they were both like no 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 no, uh, and I just wasn't sleeping I was going crazy and then one morning I fucking <laughs> I he went to the shower. And I grabbed his cell phone and just looked through his text messages. Oh, I, come on, dude. You can't I, do that. I wow. fucking, I had wow. to do it because wow. I just, I wasn't sleeping. I was going crazy. Okay, so then what? So did you sleep better after that? Well, so then I read through his text messages. It, everything I thought was, was true. true. Uh. Every single thing. Even like them, them like telling people to lie to me and stuff like that. 
like that was it was like deep dark love. Yeah, it was it was that age group's thing. That's happens during that time. That's the dynamics of that shit. Yeah, which now I know, but then like coming from like a Muslim household, coming from this in- intense strict like upbringing, yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, this is like evil." <laughs> this is like It is kind of evil though. It's it like is, plotting and lying uh, and like yes. getting people to like It's not just like let's just not tell him. No, I'm not justifying like what they did. I'm just saying it involved and now you're the one only one who doesn't know and it's like you just feel like a fucking idiot, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like and it's not your fault and you shouldn't feel like an idiot, but you do because you're like, well, that, that's what I thought the whole fucking time. I that I, I knew it, but everyone thought I was crazy or telling me I was crazy. And but don't you think that was great for your stand-up career? <laughs> uh, you yeah, need that I, conflict. You well, need that shit. You need that anger, yeah, that did drive. You, did that you I get hilarious prove. after that? <laughs> I don't want to say, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, I say it's yeah. half sarcastically, no, but then I, there's that like fuck this shit. All like, the pain you kind of get a fuck the world attitude, which does definitely help with with stand-up to an extent. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I go back and forth with that because it's like you know you think that oh I need to be miserable to to create great stand-up, but no. When, no. when I'm happy, when I'm in a relationship, I can I feel much much better about it. We'll everything. see about that roll tape, John. <laughs> we actually did a side by side. <laughs> yeah. We have we have you in sixth grade where things uh, were not going well in the house, and, and then the exact same joke in Vermont when things were going great. If we would just okay, hold on one sec. No, Perfect. I, uh, all right. So, um, all right. So then, so you leave Vermont, I'm assuming, and you go back home. What did you do? Did, wait, wait. Did, this is why you left college because of this whole thing. Pretty much. So this is a real this turning point in your life, like. You were with this chick, you thought everything was cool, and then one day you're like, oh, this is, nothing is cool. Well, it's like, yeah, I mean, it really affects you when you're, sure. when you grow up, like, especially because, you know, my mother was very, like, like sexually repressive, you know, so yeah. I, I wasn't dating, like, I didn't go through the normal heartbreak that a kid goes through in high school. Right. Oh, okay, and so this is round one. This is oh, round yeah, one. yeah, you got a okay. real fresh heart that's, yeah. like, hasn't been fucking punched or Son anything yet. Bitch. I know, my heart was it's so... All, like, didn't yeah. play sports, just, so you don't know what it's like to lose. Just losing like, nothing. Yeah. My just lungs were full green. of tar, but my heart was still <laughs> yeah. relatively fresh. Yeah. Yeah, so then, you know, it's the kind of, it, it affects you when you're, you know, I could have turned into a conspiracy theorist or, or something, you know? It kind of, like, rocks your world and yeah, you not trust right. anything around you. So what did you do? And then he went off and lived in the woods and wrote a manifesto. <laughs> oh, okay, with, with, with quarter barrels that he was buying for the youngers. That's when I bought a gun. <laughs> I highly doubt with, uh, with your background they would have let you. They would have let me, you're right. <laughs> That's right. Well, so- or, or they would have played the tape. Oh, no, this is the sad kid. It's totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so then I I had a semester left of that was my uh, sophomore year. Okay, I became a an RA. Okay, <laughs> which is a residence assistant. Yeah, yeah. So I you I cracked had, the whip. I basically figured out if I could be an RA, then I'd have my own dorm. Uh, yeah. So I could move out. Yep. And then they pay for your dorm, so that was great. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was just the cool RA for a semester. I I just let everybody do whatever the fuck fuck they they wanted. And then you're out. That's what I would have done too. It's like, hey man, somebody's doing, I don't care. (laughs) So what did you do after that? After college? Mm -hmm. Well, so after sophomore year, I I had a summer in New York City. Okay, did you stand up there? Yeah, so I was like super excited. I was like, all right, I'm going to go to New York. Here we go. I'm going to get discovered. I don't know what. Oh yeah, dude. Threw a scarf on, sang a few show tunes. Singing in the rain. (laughs) Got a couple bringer shows. Well, no. What oh, happened okay. was I I'd started doing open mics in New York. Okay. And did you I, enjoy it at least? I loved okay. being there. Okay. I loved it, but I I bombed 
so hard every now every was it was night. this shocking to you coming from vermont where everyone was like beating off in their hair over you and then all of a sudden like you know you're in front of an audience is like you don't go to school with us we don't know you you're just a guy make us laugh and yeah it was it was like it, it wasn't just that it was like grizzled old comics yes but you know what w- wouldn't oh, you agree oh. with this that when you look back on that now, and I've always said this, you never, when it comes to stand up, if you really want to learn how to challenge yourself as a writer, as a performer in stand up, you need those people to basically stand there with middle fingers in your face and you fight through it. And it gives you something else. It's this other burden that you carry with you that I think can also help make you a better comic. Because I think if it's just too easy, at some point that's going to fall through because the material is never going to get better because there's no challenge to make it better. Yeah, I mean, the way I think about it is like you... You sound like a guy smoking a cigarette right now. You ever used it? You're, you're, ta- you're, <laughs> you're, you're talking you're through oh, your neck. <laughs> you're talking through your neck. That was hilarious. You're like, listen, uh, <coughs> stay in school, kids, and uh, I'm, I'm Desi This Arnett, guy's coughing up a no lung over with us. Okay. <clears throat> now I'm going to do it. All right, continue. Okay. So, all right, so, you, I mean, so back to my question. I mean, did, did you... You probably didn't realize at the time. You probably hated every fucking minute of, like, you know, not doing well, but... In hindsight, do you kind of... I mean, I still enjoyed it because I was still going to cool comedy clubs. Okay. I was, you know, I would hang out outside the comedy cellar yeah, and just be like, whoa, this is so cool. Just to be here. Now, were you more uh, like kind of versed in stand-up comedy at this point? Like you'd kind of not necessarily studied it, but you you found some comics that you really like. Like you said, you found Mitch Hedberg and like, so you went from not really knowing anything about stand-up comedy to doing it in sixth grade to then... Doing it again, but in the, in that time, you probably discovered it in the sense that you have comics that you yeah. Were there comics in New York that you got that to see, you and you were stoked that you got to see them? Yeah, Sorry, when I was in just New talked York, to me. That was a double down. My bad. Uh, let me think. I saw. I remember seeing Hannibal and like really enjoying that. And I remember what year were you in New York? I'm sorry. Let's see. So I was that was after sophomore year of college. So um, I was like 20 years old. I think, yeah. So I, I wasn't even allowed to really go into bars. But what year was that? Do you know? Oh, uh, what year was that? Um, Mid... Uh, 2010? Oh, okay. okay. You were 20 years old in 2010. Yeah, yeah. He's a lot younger than us, John. Not everybody's going to be our age. I need everyone to be older than me <laughs> that comes on the show. Otherwise, I feel like a fucking grandpa. How long did you stay in New York? I was there for like two months. Oh, okay. And, then, and then you went back home or you went out, you came out here? I went back home, and I so then I transferred to Temple University, which is in Philly. So you still wanted to try this college thing? I didn't want to go to college, so my whole plan was to... I saw that they had a Los Angeles program for film students, so I thought, I'm going to go to Temple University, I'm going to go to L.A. through my college, and I'm going to drop out of college and stay in L.A. (laughs) Or you could just... Go to L.A. But anyway, so what did you end up doing? <laughs> I did exactly that. Go to L.A. I, I went to Temple University, and I, I the second semester I was there, I was in L.A. Okay. And then I uh, I stayed in L.A. Now, um, I met you through, and, and, and you've been doing stand-up throughout, correct? I mean, you started your open mics and all that kind of stuff as well? Did you, did you jumpstart? So I was always, do, like in New York, I was doing it. And then when I was in Philly for that semester, I was doing it, and... and uh, it was still like, you know, once every couple of weeks or once a week. Where you did know. you live out here when you moved out here? The first place was the Oakwoods. Oh, the Cokewoods. Uh, uh, now, uh, is that because that's uh, where they set uh, you up? Because that's yeah. you and, that's where you and child actors everybody. and families, right? Yeah. That's pretty much it? Yes. Yeah, it's such a weird community. Isn't that what that it's known for, right? Child exactly, actors yeah. and families. Corey that are... Haim, that's where Corey Haim died. He, he lived with his mom there. Okay. 
It's uh, it's college students and then like retired actors and actresses and it's then furnished apartments that are like low, like retired actors and actresses that budge. you go, hey, wait a minute, that person was from a TV show that I my parents watched, like that kind of retired actors, not not like that. I don't know, like people that my 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 college or my my classmates would recognize. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. and be like, oh, that's that because they were all really well versed in like film and TV. Okay, I, I wasn't as much, but they you know they would recognize. No me. retired comedians hanging out there for you. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> when did you start getting into production? When did you, what was your first gig in production? Well, so when I came out here, you know, part of our film program was to get an internship. Okay, and so mine was through. Uh, I got mine in absolutely productions, which you still work with to today. Correct? Correct. Yeah, I mean, right now I'm not working, but off but and no, on, yeah. my whole my that's whole how I met you. Yeah, yeah. So explain to everybody what who who is absolutely and what they're all about, just so people understand that production company. Um, yeah. So like Tim and Eric are the you know the two founders of the company. Um, and not not just any Tim and Eric. You should you know. So it's yeah, Tim Stevenson and Eric Johannesburg. Yeah, this guys <laughs> from Tim and Eric. Well, yeah, I mean, if, Tim and Eric Awesome Show was mm-hmm, yeah. was like their first big show that that I think took the company, you know, to the next level where they're producing other stuff after yeah. that. And some of the stuff, other stuff that they've worked on, like Comedy Bang Bang. Yep, mm-hmm. I worked on that and the Eric Andre Show and um, with Bob and David and Nathan That's for fantastic. You. And yeah, I mean, they just they've just been pumping out like like the first. I, I interned on Tim and Eric's billion dollar movie. Okay. That was my first experience, which was like incredible for me. Okay. And uh and then after that I stayed for the summer and I PA'd on like like four pilots and it was like Comedy Bang Bang, the Eric Andre show, Nathan for You and um maybe no, I didn't work on the Birthday Boys. Maybe it was just those three. Okay. But, like, every pilot they made that summer is just, you know, be- at least, you know, the show went to the- its second season. Yeah. Or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They all did well. Yeah, yeah. All those shows did really well. So I was lucky enough to be there when the. When That's the- fantastic. The ground man. floor. Yeah. So. And so you start as an intern, then you become a PA. When I met you, you were kind of locations meets associate producer at that point, or production coordinator. Where are you? So, where, what what has your arc been within the company? Like, where is it? What's the last title you got on the la- on the highest title you've gotten on the projects that you've worked on for the shows? Um, let's see. I was associate producer on Comedy Bang Bang, and with Bob and David, and then this last season of Comedy Bang Bang, I didn't work on it because okay. I, you know, just wanted to focus on my own stuff. Okay. But yeah, I was going to be, and then I was co-producer on a pilot that we made. So then if that gets picked up, I'll, I don't know what I'll be on that. See, this kid's all grown up, man. Yeah, it's that's good. Right. And the fact that you stay with one company is pretty interesting that you intern for a company <laughs> and you stay with a company and you arc high enough to the fact where you can become a co-producer. Um, that's, there's it's an it's an interesting story in respects to stability because you don't normally see that right you would normally just you would have worked on comedy bang bang you would have met somebody on there that they would have hired off some other show they would have went to work on another show they call you right and then all of a sudden you become this journeyman person that's just getting gigs all over town which yeah. a lot of it's just lateral moves it's never you know I don't know that world at all like, I know I've literally but you didn't need to I didn't need to I got lucky but I also. You know, I I got lucky in a couple ways. Like one that the company was just starting out, and then two was that I really loved the people there, 
and I felt like I belonged there. Except for Jace. I don't like Jace. <laughs> you don't like Jace? No. <laughs> Jace is if nobody knows who Jace is in the show, but we do. But Jace is a super nice guy. He's like, he's really quiet spoken. He's the best. Yeah, he's great. I love Jace. Yeah, Jace taught me how to do locations. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, well, this is kind of like a, maybe a, an inspirational story if you're trying to break in or something, but I, uh, or break down and make us cry. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I was after, after PAing on those pilots, I got a couple of PA gigs on a couple of pilots at Paramount mm-hmm. and I was like. You know, those were like big budget network style pilots where each pilot costs like a million (laughs) dollars. Yeah, like ridiculous money. Like crazy shit. And they're like, you know, they're building the interior mansion set. Whereas I was working with Abso and it would be like, (laughs) call the Herald again. We need we need a donut shop. So here's a list. I would make a list list of a hundred donut shops. Yeah. And find the one that would let us film for a hundred dollars. <laughs> exactly, like that was my job at Abso. It's a great. Jo- that's a great skill to have, though. By the way, so continue. So then, yeah, I was like working on these pilots at Paramount, and ideally, that's kind of you know where I think people would rather be. You know, be like working on big shit, big big budget. You know, cool stuff. But do you think that you can learn as much that you can take with you for the next job? When you're just a PA, I mean, I've worked around a lot of all, as you know, because of what I did, I've, I've worked on all different size productions. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that when, when the budgets are more ch- challenging, if you, depending on what kind of person you are, you can get more out of that and you can rise quicker within the ranks. Because if you're a problem solver and you're trying to figure things out, the door opens up a lot more. But when you get on these big budget shows, it's like you're a PA Go do your lockup. We'll see you at lunch. Like there's no, it's a little bit harder to work your way up or it's a slower process. Yeah. It, I mean, it's much more, I don't know what the word is. It, it, you know, when I was working on those, sh- on those shows at Paramount, like my jobs would be just to like make coffee Yeah, and like pick people up in a golf cart. <clears throat> and don't talk to anybody lot. and like, you know. Just sit at your desk and just kind of pretend you're working. And then when I was at Abso, it was like, hey, we need these locations by Friday. Like, can you do that? And I would just be like, yeah, sure. And I'd just be running around. They gave you a chance to learn, grow, and then also ask questions and be a human being while you're at work. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, and everybody was just much more approachable. You know, you'd be eating lunch with, you know, the creative and you'd be eating, you'd be like hanging out with the director outside smoking a cigarette. And like it, it all just felt like really small and fun. Right. Whereas at Paramount, you know, it was like this big shit deal and... And and understandably, two different places, but yeah. at the same time for me, I always say that whoever is in charge of everything, if the top person, like if the people who own the company, if they're cool, that trickles down and everybody else is cool. But if the top people are like suits or they're angry or they yell or they're, you know what I mean, they're, they're not nice people, that trickles down and then the people that are working for them become not nice and then the people that work for them become not nice and you have just a, a whole office full of dickheads. I never found with your company and all the time, so we worked together quite a bit. You guys shot quite a, diff- a bunch of different shows mm-hmm. with me. And I always felt like, and I agree with John, I always felt like there was, you didn't have a lot of panic people. Like, yeah. people weren't all worked up and like creating drama for absolutely no reason that 20 seconds later never would have mattered in the first place. You guys always just kind of rolled with things and figured it's going to work itself out. We know what the end is and we're going to get to the end. Does that make sense? Like, I always felt that vibe from you guys. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's the same stresses that you would experience on on other productions. It's just that 
the the overall like create the overall creative was you know much more relaxed and fun mm -hmm. you know like the people in charge i think were more relaxed and that trickles down of like course you said. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Hey, and, I, and, and it, it helps when you get to work on stuff that like you said you felt like you belong there you felt like the content that you were making was was stuff that you would watch do you know what i mean like there's something to be said, like, you're very fortunate because there are so many people that come out here that get put into a category or that go on to a, a, a certain area of television that they don't like or that's not like... There's a lot of people that work in reality that would rather work in scripted somewhere or comedy or drama or something that mm -hmm. wasn't some terrible reality show. But that's... They still have to work. You know what I mean? It, it's hard. Like, I, I, I think... He, a lot. It's it's rare to find someone who like when they talk about shows they worked on. Almost every show, you're like, oh my god, that's a great show. Oh my god, that's a great show. Oh my. God. Usually, it's like, and then I worked on this piece of shit, and you look at it like, oh man, that was a piece of shit. Real gross. Uh, who the? Why would you make that? I don't know. It wasn't my idea. You know what I mean? And then they have no. They take no pride or no uh, satisfaction in the in the shows they work on. Whereas if you work on something that is along the lines of something you'd want to watch or with people that you respect or look up to the final product is just much more enjoyable for everybody. You're like excited that it's out, you're promoting it, you want it to do well so you can keep working. Yeah, yeah, there's there's definitely like a nice thing to have your heart in the project. Yeah. I want to get back to uh, producing in just a second in, in respect to that part of your career, but uh, two questions. One, where are you at, uh, you know, comedically uh, in your career? And uh, have your parents seen you do stand-up? <laughs> um, so my mom saw me do an open mic and in Philly? Yeah, in Philly. This was like, I don't know, a couple years ago. <laughs> okay. And we were walking down South Street, and there was like just a, a chalk sign outside a bar that said open mic. Oh, this was impromptu. You and just... I was, yeah, I was just like, hey, I'm, I really want to do a set. Is that okay? And she was like, yeah, sure. And my mom hadn't been in a bar in, you know, 40 years or something like that, you know? <sighs> so then we go upstairs, this bar called Lickety Split oh, on of South course. Street. It's beautiful. such a shit. <laughs> Hold 40 on. years and you take your mom to lickety, lickety split. Lickety split. <laughs> <laughs> so then, uh, yeah, we went upstairs and it was like, you know, a terrible mic. The host immediately was just like, what's your name? Like as soon as we walked in and just started, I said, a homid and he just started making oh, fun of me. Oh, here we go. And then he was like, you want to go up? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, you want to go up right now? <laughs> it was like there was nobody in the room. <laughs> and uh, So you did comedy for your mom? Well, we sat down, and then the guy who was hosting kind of did some more material, and it was, like, really crude. Like, it was... The times my parents have seen me do stand-up has almost been in the worst possible yeah. format. Like, <clears throat> but, my, I mean, you knew kind of what that could be when you took her in there. It wasn't like that was the first open mic you'd ever seen. No, but, I, yeah, I exactly. I kind of knew what we were getting into, but I did... I was, You know, I had a sense of pride in... in Showing her what the <clears throat> trenches looked like. I was just going to say, also showing her kind of the bullshit that you have to go through. And then when she does see you do like a good show down the road, it'll be like, see what I was doing, see where I've come. There's like a progress, <laughs> like a progress check. Yeah, like hopefully. <laughs> so well, right, so right. what happened? Well, yeah, so we were just sitting there. I forget what the guy was talking about. He was talking about like having mice in his apartment and uh, he was just cursing and, and, and like... And then a butt fucked him and you're like, oh God, why why is he butt fucking things yeah, now? Why does it always have to... Why does a penis have to get in there? <laughs> Here's my mom, you know, she's like, she's almost like a saint, you know, she's just like the purest person in my life. And right. she's sitting in the back of a bar while this guy's talking about butt fucking his mice or whatever. <laughs> but again, she didn't, but she stayed. 
She stayed. Yeah, she hung out. She's a mom, and she tolerated it because she's a mom. <laughs> yeah, and she has. Mom, yeah. You don't listen, and even when you don't get along with your parents, your parents have so much hope and pride. Like it's just it's naturally built in them. That's a, that's as a child we always or as kids sometimes you forget that even when you're in an awkward or low point with them, it's like. There's still, at the end of the day, I mean, it's very rare that parents don't give a shit about their kids. So even, you probably described all of that, and you know, I don't know, I mean, yeah, it probably was horrible, but at the same time, it's you're still her kid. And There was some moment, she, she kind of brings it up from time to time, because I did my set, and it wasn't like I had a great set, but... It's an open you, mic, you it's impossible, but you can't have a great set situation. Yeah. It's like, it's lickety you set yourself up to fail at that it's point. Lickety it's lickety split, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but there were comics in the back that kind of stopped talking and were listening. Oh, okay. That's, so that's that a big thing. That is a standing so, ovation at an open mic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she remembers that happening and remembers them like kind of thinking that one of my jokes was good. And kind so she of remembers more, the positive things that happened during your set. Yeah, exactly. That's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. So then, yeah, she... What I about Dad? Dad came to see me at a show in, in Philly at a bar called The Dive Bar or but something. Was it an open mic or was it a legit this show was where there was an audience? Sh- th- I was booked on this show. Oh, okay. But, you know... <laughs> still shitty. Did Again. you do Dad's joke? <laughs> huh? Did you do Dad's joke? <laughs> I wish. As a tribute. Yeah. So we go up to this attic of this bar. And Why is everything upstairs? This is the second upstairs event for you. Just get, up, get off the street. Okay. Get upstairs. Get upstairs. I don't know. The room was full of cigarette smoke. You know, my dad was, you know... He is not a smoker. He's not a smoker. Yeah. I remember that being one of the crudest shows, like material-wise, I've ever seen. Our gig too, just... like person after person, just talking about. And then I got fisted, and yeah. then I got a foot in my butthole, and then I got Jeez. something else in my butthole. And I'm just hanging out with my dad. Like, do you want another ginger ale? Like, can I? Can He's I like, I don't down? know. Is it going to come out of that guy's butthole? <laughs> Did you do okay? I did okay. Okay. Again, it was a thing where I remember my dad saying, I, the room got quiet when you were up there. That kind of thing. They listened. Yeah, people were listening. Instead of just ignoring you and, you know, turn well, the TV up. Yeah, exactly. Just get on stage and make too much noise. I can't hear the game. <laughs> but I also think that parents, look they look at that as like, you know what I mean? Like, they understand you're just starting out or you're just trying to get your, yeah. your feet under you. But, but the fact that other people are taking notice and like, Paying attention when they might not have paid attention for other people. Look, I think it's worth it. I mean, my parents have seen me at all stages of yeah. my career. And I think they came to a show that you and I did in Madison. I'm almost for sure my whole family had come. Uh, I didn't. I don't, yeah, yeah, they did. They your did. Parents were yeah. there. Yeah, they did. Oh, they I came. didn't know. Yeah, yeah. When Joe, my brother Joe, came and you and, and you and yeah. he got really hammered and he yeah, didn't leave yeah. my Madison uh, Square I didn't Garden. Realize your parents yeah. Yes, Madison's yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, me I and Brian did Madison me. Square Garden. I think um, I think they did. Anyway, but you know, I think it was, it was open mic night or something there. <laughs> but a my book, parents a book, had, half booked, half open. I, I guess my point is that my my parents had come and and they had seen me early on. And then they were able to see me come back to my home state and, and headline and do, you know, 45 minutes oh, wow. and do really well and like, and like see the full arc. Does that mean, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was, so it's like, it was, they get it. They understood that like, it's a journey, you know, I was just glad that I was able to get to that part of the journey <laughs> so that they only, they didn't only have the other memory. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. I think, yeah, I think my parents thought I, they might still think that I suck at comedy. I'm not sure. Like they've never seen me, you know, in a, in a real room. So they probably you don't I, you don't send them uh, links and stuff. I don't no. think it's the same though. I think don't you want? I have. Has your sent mom them. seen you? 
Yeah, my mom's yeah, she, my mom sees me a bunch. Yeah. Okay, but I mean in person doing stand up. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like I think that's that's just different. It's more personal, especially when it's your family. It's it's a little bit freaky because it's it's your family that's right in there, and I, I I think for a lot of us it's easier to perform to strangers than it is to family, right? Yeah. Oh, but yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know it's but you still want that. You want them to also see you entertaining the strangers and and being in that environment to see it as well. Honestly, when I'm home though, and I have shows in Philly, I don't invite them. Yeah, I, I don't. Want the, the pressure then is like, are you okay, it. Dad? Is everything? Like, do you need another ginger ale, Mom? Is everything? Are you comfortable? Then you're like, you're focusing on them and not about. And, and then when you're on stage, like to me, I've always said, it's just easier to, to perform for a room full of strangers than I, it is to a room full of people I know. Here's the thing: as much as my parents love and support me, I don't think going to a comedy show is their idea of a good night. No, no. And I don't want to drag them out. And I, I, you know, I'm trying to think. Like my mom wouldn't. My mom wouldn't want to be around all that alcohol can That's you set up yeah. a talent show at the school you went to with the six can you go back because that's a safe zone. There's no drinking at your elementary school, I don't think, right? No. Can you get okay. an audience there, though? <laughs> Not that I remember. Yeah. At the talent show. <clears throat> get a bunch of kids to bring their families. La- ladies and gentlemen, um, we'd like to welcome Now an back, adult comedian. Um, <laughs> uh, the headliner is an adult who um, used to go here a long time ago. He wants ago. us to say you may remember him, but quite frankly, it was so long ago, no one here would remember him. You would never have kids in school <laughs> yes. at that point, so why would you remember him? <laughs> welcome to the stage. So, all right, so your parents, so you did the comedy thing. Now, um, back to the producing thing. Uh, I noticed something that you had posted the other day on the social medias that you are helping out with uh, Quincy Jones' um, show. Is this true? Did I read that right? Yeah, yeah. Now, Quincy Jones, uh, just a quick refresher for the people who have been listening. Quincy was on a couple weeks ago on our show, and uh, he uh, did a Kickstarter campaign and a GoFundMe campaign uh, to uh, do a stand-up comedy special, which is happening. Mm-hmm. And it is happening, actually, in a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And then I saw, randomly, I didn't, I mean, of course, everybody knows everybody, that you uh, were helping. So give us a little uh, background on that whole thing. Well... Yeah, Quincy and I, I mean, we're buddies from open mics and stuff like that, you know, but then when he got sick, I started visiting him and and we've just kind of grown, you know, as friends in this past year, like, because, you know, I was there at the hospital and then when he got out and I've done a lot of, you know, picking him up from chemo and just, just getting to know him through this whole experience, you know, in a very deep way and and uh, me and my friend Zach Sherwin would oh, go. Zach is very funny. Yeah, yeah. We'd go and hang out with Quincy at his place, and we'd end up like freestyling and just like shooting the shit and and you know getting food and you know Quincy is like he his courage is un. I remember one day picking him up from chemo. <laughs> we went and got ramen, and then went and did an open mic, and then he did open mic after chemo. Yeah. That That's day. Amazing. I mean, it was just incredible. Yeah. And so, like, there's just been times like that where I'm just like, you know, this guy, he he's so weak right now. Like, this, this would be, like, you know, right after getting out of the hospital, but he wants to do stand-up. And I would just be there with him at these mics. And, you know, it was just, it's just a beautiful thing to <clears throat> see yeah. this all happen. And I think, he, I think he genuinely gains strength from that as well. Do you know what I mean? Going up and getting on stage and, like, that fuels him yeah so to speak so i don't know it's a good thing but it's nice that you're able to be there and pick him up and hang out with him. oh yeah i mean i'm just like so so excited to be working on this project so what so what uh what are you gonna do with the show like what are you doing with him on this show 
Um, I'm an associate producer on the okay. show, so I'm just you know doing a lot of logistical yep. stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it's basically just kind of helping the whole thing. Happen. And how yeah. and so from that standpoint, um, let's it's actually good because obviously you know we've only talked to him about the creative side of it, but the nuts and bolts of having to put together a Kickstarter campaign it's a, it's actually pretty unique, right? I mean, it's like the money the money is what it is, but so you're you know you're helping put the nuts and bolts together. Um, let's well, if you don't mind, I, I'd be but, but real quick, Quincy went on Ellen. Mm-hmm. And then Ellen, like, I mean, they put money more than the tripled the Kickstarter, right? I mean, I haven't looked at it. In a yeah, while. well, well, and I think we're going to talk to him a little bit later, okay. and we'll and we'll get that info. Cool. Um, to you know, just for sure. But like, you know, you're stepping in and you're helping him. You know, like, so kind of take us through. Like, what is, um, what you know, are some what's of the, the process of getting this whole happen. thing? That you know, here's a guy who says, "Hey, I want to do a show." Right. That's phase one. Phase two is, hey, I'm going to need money to do the show, right? Mm -hmm. But then it requires people to actually put the physical production together, and that's the stuff that you're helping with, is the actual physical production of it, or what is your role? Yeah, so I didn't help with the Kickstarter. No, no, no. I'm talking about when you came in, you're helping with the physical part of the production. So once the money's in place and this thing is going to actually happen, this is where you step in, right? When you use some of the skills that you have, is that what you're... Uh, yeah. So like we were hanging out at his apartment. He was talking about how the Kickstarter is, you know, growing and we we were originally going to do it at a small comedy club Mm -hmm. in Santa Monica. And he was just like, you know what? I think I want to do it at a bigger venue. And I was like, well, I'm going to help you find a better venue. And so I, you know, I've had all this location experience. Sure. Some numbers you could call. The next week we were just, you know, out looking at theaters and stuff like that. So it was just kind of from the beginning, like, how can I help? Yeah. And, and so like helping him find a better venue was originally how I wanted to help and how I did help. And then, you know, once everything kind of came to fruition, I, I emailed the producers and I just was like, Hey, I've got all this experience. I'm Quincy's close friend. I'd love to help out. Sure. And, and as you're talking about Nicole and Mickey. Yeah. 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 We're, we're both also genuinely sweet people. So oh, yeah. and easy to work with too. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. They're great. So then since then it's just been like, you know, I've been helping, uh, you know, figure out where everyone's going to park, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. The stuff that, but again, logistics, man. It's yeah, yeah. That's the, you're the <laughs> kind of guy that would chaos. think about that stuff, though, too. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that's all my experience. Yep. You know, is is like how is this day? Because you know, when you're working on production, it's like every day is like planning a wedding, pretty mm-hmm. much. It's just huge. Scale. Where's everyone going to go to the bathroom? Where's everyone going to eat? Where's everyone going to park? Where's everyone going to stand? Yeah, it's like people are going to want to get drinks. Like, mm-hmm. how early should we open the doors? You know, how, how are we going to file everybody in? Where are the camera positions? Where are the seats? Do the seats interfere with any of the cameras? Like all, like he's just like, what kind of water does he want on stage? Right. <laughs> you know, does he want his own green room? You know, where's VIP going to hang out? Like, what? How many minutes should John Huck do to open? He's- Easy, Tiger. Easy. <laughs> yeah, just a minute. I'm going to erase that part of this conversation. <laughs> Digital. Digitally erase it. No, I mean, so. But yeah, just... just and be- also, you're just there for support. Like, basically saying to him, I got this, dude. One I'm- less thing for you to stress out about, right? That's That in itself, I think, you can't underestimate how how great that is to, to have somebody stand next to you and say, you know what? I've done this a million times before. We're good. What's that? Oh. I wish I could say it was Quincy on the phone, but uh, no, it's my phone. Unfortunately, we've had this conversation before. I once I got my wife, my rich wife gave me an uh, iWatch, uh-huh. and once I got it, it connected everything in my house together. 
So now my phone rings, it rings on my computer. It's just everything oh, it's rings. All one. I didn't do it. The it did it all on its own. Is yeah. happening. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is it. Maximum overdrive. Uh, but you, I mean, would you? I'm assuming that's a part of what your role is. Just saying, you go do your creative thing. I'll I'll make sure that everything else works. Yeah, that's what I. And I also want to be a face in the production that he can talk to. Mm-hmm. Like he, because you know he doesn't have a lot of experience working in production right. or on specials, so. I want to be someone that he can ask questions to and not feel awkward about asking. Right. But, you know, and if you don't know, you'll go find out for him without him having to be the one to look around for an answer. Yeah. And just hopefully to be someone he can trust in this, you know, all this stuff is happening for him like very quickly. Yes. Yeah. It's like, I'm it, sure. it did happen quick. You're not kidding about the quick thing. It did happen very quick. Which is great, it's very though. Very intense. That's, yeah. But it, yeah, I can see how. The quickness is, you know, you don't want it to feel rushed. You want it to be exactly what he wants. Well, you also just want to be working on your hour. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. You know, because that's what's important is getting the hour to the place you want it to be before recording an HBO special. Right. So, you know, I've just called him, you know, a few times since he's been on the road and just asked a couple questions here and there. And other than that, just checking in. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, I just, I, I'm just happy for him. I just, yeah. want it, I just want it to be great. That's pretty much it. Yeah, we yeah. will be at the uh, late show on nice. Monday, ten o'clock. Yeah, it'll be good. Um, should we uh, should we tell people that to, are there tickets available? No, I think they're both sold out. Yeah, as it should be. And so yeah. you found the venue. And uh, it is downtown. I helped, I helped him find it. Me and uh, me and Stephen Fine Arts were like doing. Stephen you know, Fine Arts, South by Southwest. Great dude. Yeah, I worked with him at the South by Southwest uh, Showtime special. Yeah, so I, this I, year or last year? This year. Oh, okay. I did it last year. Oh, cool. Yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. It was it was amazing. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was cool because I've never worked on stand-up specials before. I've just been performing stand-up. So mm-hmm. then working on that South By was like a cool project leading into this one. Right. It yeah. helps you. Well, Again, the understanding. Yeah. yeah, just yeah. to be on set at like a stand-up special and kind of realize what the nuts and bolts are mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it, so you got the venue downtown to downtown LA? Yeah, it's the uh, Terragram okay. Ballroom. Okay. It's uh, downtown. And, and doing two shows. Two shows, seven and ten. What's the size of the venue? Like, So what did he end up performing in front of? It'll be 200. 200, okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. It's not... I mean, we looked at other venues, like the um, the Forum, uh, just like huge, right. huge theater that, you know, is kind of magnificent to stand on stage in, but, but it, didn't, it didn't feel right. Yeah. And and he he's a, more of a personal comic. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he, he doesn't need to, a Madison Square Garden. That's not... He's more of an intimate guy that is going to... He talks to he, his audience a little bit. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing is, like, even at open mics, he's just walking around talking to people. Yeah. That's yeah. his gift is, like, just being one of the most, you know approachable and and socially outward people you yeah. know and he's able to connect with audiences like just by riffing and being mm-hmm. himself so i think we're gonna you know we're kind of planning for that also that he's going to be doing crowd work and t- talking right yeah. to the first few rows and again talking about planning for that making sure that that stuff is set up so that when it happens yeah it's not a regret in post of like well we weren't ready for that so uh, all that's a waste. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's all those little things that you're thinking about. Yeah, they're setting up mics, you know, in the front to to make sure to catch any like audience mm-hmm. like reactions yeah. and stuff Response like that. Response and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Will you be a plant? <laughs> no. 
Um, so what else is going on with you? So you, you are still doing some stuff from time to time with Absolutely? Or you said you were kind of taking, taking a break when you said doing stuff for yourself. Like what? So where are you at in, 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 in your career and the stuff that you're trying to accomplish yourself? Um, well, yeah. So I, I've been taking a break from production just to write my own TV show. And I, when I last saw you, one of the last things was that you're working on something of your own. I don't know whatever became of that. But that was one of the things that you were focused on at that time before we parted ways. Yeah, I've I've had a couple like writing gigs here and there, and that's been fun. But then the big project in my head has always been, how do I write about you know Ahmed's experience, you know, mm-hmm. as a kid growing up Muslim, and and then now, and and just feeling like it's you know an appropriate time to tell it's the a, story. It's a, like a perfect. It's a it's a perfect time right now. You know what I mean? It's like it's such a topic that everyone is discussing anyway. Yeah, and with shows like. Like fresh off the boat and blackish, which I, I feel a racist saying both titles of those shows. <laughs> um, but like with shows like that now, it's, it's they want m- more stuff, other cultures, different. You know what I mean? Like I think TV is embracing that more now than they ever have before. So it's it is a it's a really good time for something for a show like what you're describing. Yeah, yeah. So it's just really just I'm trying to write an honest TV show mm-hmm. that's not like preachy or anything like that, but also. You know, I think it's uh, relevant to portray Islam in a positive light and religion in general. You know, I think that a lot of people that are my age and older are, you know, actually interested in religion or spirituality, and they're kind of scared to say it because it's such a taboo subject. It's, it's Can I ask you one point blank question, which which has been, I, and I think that this is an, a, a true American problem, uh-huh. is there are there are people, and Bill Maher is a perfect example, who believe that your that that that, that the religion that you're talking about, it supports violence. Like he just he, he I've watched the show and he brings it up. He's like, no, no, it it's a it's 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 a violent religion. Like basically, he just no holds barred. Does that drive you nuts? And like, what is your perspective on that? And and all the people that truly do believe that? Because some people are like, when you look at the uh, Christian fundamentalists and evangelicals, you know, they have some violent history within themselves, but no one perceives them that way. They don't they don't blanket it the same way they blanket. The Muslim religion. Why is that? Like, what is it? Just a media thing? Is it a fear? Like, what in the world that you live in? Why is it? And does it drive you insane from what you know and what you grew up with? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the the version of Islam that I grew up with was so accepting and beautiful. And you know, growing up and seeing the Islamophobia has been very difficult for me, and it's not something that I kind of take lightly. I you know, been going to the mosque more these days and the security at the mosque, you know, has been stepped up where there there's like guards outside and specifically probably since San Bernardino, correct? Even more so. Yeah. Like yeah. I remember going, I think the Friday after that incident and there was like intense, intense security there and it was packed. That was the thing that kind of blew my mind. I thought, wow, it's going to be, you know, pretty empty. Maybe people are going to be scared to go there today and think that it might get attacked but it it was packed to the gills and the reason it was packed to the gills is because there were people from other faiths that were there showing support oh wow there were a lot of christians and jews that went to prayers at the mosque that day to show support and they kind of announced that over the speaker after the prayers they were like there's a lot of other faiths here in solidarity so we just want to say thanks for for coming out and um but yeah i mean islam right now it's you know, all religions, I think, have, have had a history of violence. And, and like, right now, Islam is just kind of in the limelight for that. And, um, 
it's got nothing to do with the actual teachings or the practice. It's just, you know, an unfortunate circumstance that that the people that are violent right now, you know, happen to follow that faith. And, and it's not like the people that are violent right now. It's just like the way that the way that our media is portraying the people that are violent right now is by focusing on Islam and what's Instead happening. of focusing on them and their violent acts, they're focusing on the religion first and incorporating their violent acts within the religion. Is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, these are not violent people. They're violent Muslims, you know? Right. And that's like the big issue. Yeah. Which is true because you could say that about if somebody murders next door, what's you don't, the first thing you don't ask is, well, what religion were they? So we can say that religion, per, that, that person's religion was the reason why they killed their wife yesterday. You know what I mean? Like you don't, if you don't really do that with other violent acts. Yeah. And I understand that they're saying it's on a grander scale, blah, blah, whatever. But so are many of the mass murders that have happened here where people, they never asked, you know, if you remember the whole term of going postal, right? That was the whole thing. It was like, they never asked what religion that postal worker was when he went in and shot 17. He was just a disgruntled worker. He was just an angry person. Right. Person. It was right. never labeled anything more than just a screwed up person. Right. And with every religion, there are people that um, misunderstand it or misuse um, it, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Instead of just kind of learning from it, they feel Does that the, it's right and in charge of everything they do and... And, but is it talked about like when you go to the mosques and stuff like that? Is it is it discussed? Is it a frustrating thing for them of like how can we stop this in respects to it sucks because we're all being persecuted for these nut jobs and and it's like I mean or is it kind of one of those things where it's like there's really you know because of where you're at you're kind of detached from it or like what's what is the feeling in there at the time you well, know yeah so Fridays are you know Friday is like Sunday at church mm-hmm. at the mosque it's you know where the imam kind of gives a sermon and it's called a khutbah but it's you know it's basically the same thing where he's just talking about the current state of affairs mm-hmm. and um yeah th- there's usually a bit of di- a dialogue about you know what's happening right now and and the amount of you know hate that's being spurred by Donald Trump and all these you know ridiculous events that are I don't know it's like when these Muslims come together in this mosque and there's you know a couple hundred of them and you're there in solidarity and you're listening to a person who's talking about how you know terrible the the image that is being portrayed of Islam is you know it's it's you you feel I guess you feel the anger and the the fear rather than the anger that, you know, we're just Americans also and we're here together and mm-hmm. we, we have families and like, unfortunately the, you know, the political climate is, is kind of being a little harsh right now to Islam. So they would, I don't know. I'm, so I'm really Trump's, bad at talking about this shit. When, when Trump's reality show is over, if you ever to get a production job or be a producer on a, a, anything in the Trump in the future, would you would you absolutely under no circumstances? Do you have a, a line in the sand that you would draw with something like that where you'd be like, absolutely not. This person spews hate. I would never. You know what I mean? Like some people, a job's a job. I don't really care. But like, would you not using him as an example, but like somebody like that, that has spoken ill of something that you so strongly believe in. Would you take a job in production or something like that? If you found out that there were people on there that 
no. at a certain point of view? No, I yeah, I don't want to work on anything that I'm not like you know emotionally like invested in. So that wouldn't, yeah. I don't want to work on that kind of He's stuff. He's not going to work on any of your stuff, John. I'm sorry. It's just, <laughs> it's not fair enough. No, I mean, I understand. I didn't want to put you in an uncomfortable situation, but it's just like it's – I get very frustrated, and I know he does as well. I mean, neither one of us claims to be, like, overly educated, but we're also rational, normal human beings, and we can see when stuff is spiraled out of control. Mm-hmm. And it gets so frustrating when you turn on the TV and you're like, I don't get this. Like, I'm not a religious person at all, but I still am sane enough to know that I, I'm not going to lump everybody into one – and I just don't understand how it can. It feels like I thought that the movement would go more towards people like me that look at it and go, "This is ridiculous," or John, who looks at it and goes, "Enough already!" Can't you, don't you realize that there's a sect of people that are just sick in the head? But like, it seems to be going the exact opposite. It just drives you bonkers, and it's just like for you, unfortunately, you gotta you have to live inside of that bubble, and it just it sucks. But I was just curious, like, how it impacted you? Yeah, I mean. If I could have any like goal in my career, it would be to basically normalize Islam. You know, if 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 I had a TV show that kind of showed that I was a Muslim and that I was you know proud of it in some way, and and like also dealing with the you know the general like chaos of of life and showing that that's part of the Muslim experience too. It's not like we're disconnected from reality. Right. It's like <laughs> these are human beings right. going through breakups and going through life and things are hard and you know to to i don't know i guess normalize it and make the make it part of the american experience you know that would be my goal i hope you do i think it's i think it's due i think what john said earlier it's like yeah no the time is now baby the The time is now yeah well i appreciate you coming in oh thanks man yeah 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 thank you very much that was uh actually uh fairly deep there a little bit did it scare you? No, it doesn't scare me. People do notice that. Like, oh, you guys got uh, you guys got real. Oh, you mean we're oh, human you know beings what? that actually have real conversations? Yeah, yeah. Should we should we say hi to the two people that gave us? Oh, uh, yeah. That emailed us. Yeah, yeah. Well, I almost forgot that man. I hope good they call. We told them we would acknowledge them. Yeah. Well, and they they don't even care really that we acknowledge <laughs> them. They're like they're like whatever. They just want. They said very nice things about the show. And we're very glad they listen. They did. So 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 last week, John John got a little bit uh, um, needy. And uh, said, hey, man, you know, we've had the show for a long time and like no one's ever sent us an email or anything or like talked to us. So then we got some emails. So what do you it, got? it actually worked out. We got uh, an, an email from uh, Sarah. I think it's Huska. Sarah Hello, Huska. Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Thank you very much. You have a very nice email. I, she, she Brian, doesn't listen to the background. Brian responded, right? Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I don't know why you say it that way. Because I just so, want to make sure somebody responded. Just I don't in case leave. it was inappropriate. No, like, I, I just want to be. Brian was the one that responded no, no, to just Sarah. Meaning, in case you didn't, because you said you were gonna. Like I will, would momentarily. And uh, Antonio uh, Sequera, I yes. believe, is how you Antonio say that. Antonio was our first, our first email. Yeah, yeah. John was very excited when I texted him. And oh, I said, I was hey, ecstatic! You got, a, you got your first email from your, your begging. It wasn't begging. I just said, it was hey, begging. Uh, no, but look, they they said they look. They didn't. I have actually to do, think it's fun. They they didn't have to say any of those things, and they said very nice. No, they things, didn't. So. I think it's amazing. I don't. I love the if people email. That's awesome. I have no problem like that. No, that of form, course that, not. Knowing that people you know, listen, it doesn't. It makes it all it all better. <laughs> it is a weird thing, right? Because like we're like with stand up. You you know I'm I your material. You're not looking for the audience to talk back to you, right? Like you want to do your thing, and and their engagement is the laughter and the enjoyment, and vice versa for us. So. 
you know, this is one of those formats. Well, yeah, we're just talking into microphones and we're just putting it on the universe and going away from it. But it is kind of cool when people do feel the need to interact and send you an email and you can interact back with them. I actually kind of like that. It is. Yeah. Not, especially when, when it's positive. You know what I mean? When people start emailing like, you piece of shit, you suck, then it's be like, oh, this isn't as fun No, anymore. no, that can be fun too. I Again, forgive me if I've already told this story in the past, but so when... I learned when I learned about the internet a long time ago, um, a video of mine uh, was put on the front page of YouTube back when it still kind of mattered, like when they used to do that, when it was like they would feature like one video. Uh-huh. And I didn't know, but I started getting all these emails. It was connected to my phone and my phone was pinging. And I was like, oh my God, my phone's broken because literally it was going ping, 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 ping. Because obviously once it's worldwide, emails just start flying in like it was the weirdest thing watching it like uh, the numbers just rise on your phone it's like popcorn (laughs) so i i was like oh my god what's going on and i go and i'm like well this is weird so i get i go sign into youtube and i see my videos on the front i'm like oh my god this is so cool i was like i had this like moment of like pride like oh my god they thought they i didn't ask them they just did this i'm cool yeah it must be hilarious so i go to my i click through and i go to my page (laughs) And um, on the page, I, I go to my email section in YouTube. I click on it. First email in there is, fuck you. I hope you die, you fuck face. <laughs> and at first I was like, what the hell? And then Why? I was like, oh, wait a minute. I made it. I made it. You realize you, you make it when people hate you for absolutely no, no reason, reason. other than the fact that you did something that they are incapable of doing. And YouTube is the worst. Those are the worst <laughs> comments. Of all the comments on any social thing anywhere, YouTube is always the worst. It's, they're so brutal. <laughs> yeah, they you, are. They're three comments yeah. away from racist comments every single and time. And a lot of them just get racist. It's just like, you're like, oh, that was great. Okay, yeah, nice, buddy. And then you're well, like... Well, I'll just wait for the emails you get from this episode. <laughs> I, you know what? I, mean, I, will say, I will say go. this. I will say this i think people that listen to our show are uh would be would tend to would tend to side on the more intelligent open-minded yeah uh uh spectrum okay i don't think we have a lot of ignoramuses that listen to our show i don't think we breed that our guests are intelligent me and brian might be idiots but our guests are usually intelligent and they have interesting things to say and i think that's kind of what we like about the show is that it it's people from all walks of life and definitely you are our first uh, Muslim guest, I guess. Oh, we would. wow. And by the way, which is, I, I, you know, in hindsight, one of the things I wish I would have done, never even brought that up, had a whole conversation with you because you you couldn't be more normal, right? And then just literally at the end be like, oh, and by the way, you know, I practice this religion. Because it's like, that's the whole thing, right? It's like, it doesn't really matter. Like, would, would yeah. I, we don't every, every, because of the nature of what's going on, it, it seemed important to bring it up with you. I, I agree. But we, we don't it, bring that up with everybody that comes in here. I don't ask everybody what their, what you know, their, what their faith is. is or any yeah. of that kind of stuff. Yeah. So because, I'm kind of part of the problem, but well, at yes, the same... Well, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm saying, but I feel like that maybe I am part of the problem by doing it that way. But I also kind of felt like you could be more fucking normal. Yeah. Like bec- and, and that shouldn't be a surprise, though, either. You know what I'm saying? It shouldn't be like and or. It should be like, of course. Right? Totally. Yeah, so, yeah. It's just, I'm just a normal person. Yeah, and but I do think like I see what you're saying like to not not having to mention it and then just at the end being like, "Oh yeah, by the way." But at the same time, I think it's important to talk about now because there could be other people in your situation and I don't know, it's just because of where the country is and how it seems divided on this as like some, you know what I mean? I think it's it's necessary to talk about. I want to be very clear with everybody that listens to this no matter where, because we know we get people that listen all over the United States and some people outside the United States, but specifically in the United States. 
I want them to be. I want them to understand one thing. It's extremely important, especially in this political year. I have never once left my house in fear. <laughs> I don't feel. I'm not afraid of anything. Like I don't leave my house every day. And we live in a big city. Yeah. This is Los Angeles. There's Los Angeles, New York, Chicago. Those are big cities. I've never once left and went. I am so scared. I'm so scared that there's an that I'm going to get attacked today, or I'm going to. You know what I mean? Like well, I don't live in that, but. A lot of people are that's being put on them, and I just I just think it's don't you shouldn't feel that way. I mean, no I, one does. I, I don't. The, I mean, if I looked Muslim though, I think I would <laughs> I would live in more fear than you I do. would. Yeah, I'm just saying all the the people that that do have this issue that feel the need, you know, to attack others is because they're living in fear. They think somehow or another those people that they don't understand are going to do something to them. They're one. You know, yeah. flick of the switch away from like, you know, just pulling out AK-47s that are so readily accessible to them and everybody, you know, to just start blasting everybody away, you know, or taking a knife out of a, you know what I mean? Like, oh my God, is Ahama going to go to the bathroom and come back with a gun and shoot us all? Like, no, no. Like the odds of that happening ever in the history of the universe ever, it's never, it's not, it's just, that's just not how it is. But I will say this, I do, <clears throat> I leave my apartment, I am afraid <laughs> But it's like of direct eye contact with other people, <laughs> of like having to like have a conversation and make small talk with a stranger. It's like my fears are different than yeah. like the good. Those are than, good fears. The fear that Donald Trump is trying to instill. Uh, my fears are much different. My fears are like, <laughs> oh man, what if someone makes fun of me because I have shorts on today? <laughs> I hope no one sees me riding my bike. <laughs> I would. I would agree. We'll, let's finish the show with all talking about our one biggest insecurity. I don't like my arms. <laughs> Brian does hate his arms. I, I hate my arms. I, I really do hate my arms if i could live my whole life with long sleeve shirts on i don't know i hate Nothing. him he's a psychopath i hate he's my a arms. psychopath i hate my arms he's an arm loather what uh john's what? afraid of shorts you don't like shorts? I'm not, I'm not, i love wearing shorts man oh, okay. i guess my biggest i just have like i'm just fat you know what i mean i have like a fat guy body so like even when i'm not fat like my body is fat it's weird <laughs> what's the one thing come on come on we share what's something i hate about my body about your no just about like there's one thing that's just like you're like ah Urgh, that's John's, the one thing that rubs John's you. looking at my legs right now. Oh, I thought you said it was <laughs> no, John. I, I was looking at his <laughs> Why are you looking at his legs? I'm not. Now you're giving like, him. He's like, I can help you out. I was yeah. like, if you're having trouble, I have a list of things <laughs> I can that are help just, you a, out. just so that's super fucking offensive to my eyes that I could just, you can use these. You got these chicken legs, first of all. I'm, uh, I can help you with this one. <laughs> I don't know. I'm That's scared. good. No, got, that's. I got, you know, I got, you would know right I'm going to get burned by the sun. I'm going to well, die yeah. of skin cancer. But, That's you, your thing. but look, That's... your long sleeves, like, are you uh, uh, usually cool? Like, kind of chilly? Um, no, I just wear a sweater because of the sun. Uh, like, I'll, I'll just kind of put on a, a hoodie and go outside in the heat just to, like, cover myself. But so you, that... don't, you don't sweat a lot, do you? Um, no, not, not a lot. Yeah, if I did that, like, if I had that shirt on right now, I would pit, I would... Oh, would yeah, be, he's, he gets drenched on these yeah, shows. It would be fucking bad news. He is a show sweater. He is just... I'm just a sweater in general. Yeah, That's yeah. my deal. You literally sweat. I have so much hair in my body, it looks like a sweater. So we're just both show sweaters. <laughs> Dude, thank you so much for thank coming you. again. Yes, I really do appreciate it. <clears throat> um, I'm glad you don't have any real issues, body issues. This is great. Thank you so much. Yeah, wow, you're like a real proud model. <laughs> Look at this guy, all fucking young with his fresh new skin. Uh, all right, great show. Thanks for coming. Oh, where by. can people find you? I hate my teeth. <laughs> I've never liked com. my teeth. Where can people find you? I hate my teeth.org. 
I haven't been to a dentist you have in your six teeth. years. What's wrong with your teeth? Nothing. They're just not perfect. Oh, get the fuck out I of here. I hate my teeth. That was a great closer. So uh, where, where, do, where can people find you when you're at, promoting your stuff? Uh, at uh, Ahmed Weinberg. Perfect. You big Twitter guy? I like Twitter. All right. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Good show, Thank everyone. you, guys. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe. <laughs>